love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice those who rejoice. Reap those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing, you will help keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hi, guys. How's everybody doing? Man, it is hotter today than I thought it was going to be. I was so excited that the heat left, but it's coming back. All right, how many of you, if you could pray for something, would pray for summer, more of summer? How many would pray for more of summer? Okay. How many would pray for more of snow? How many would pray more? Oh. It's about 50-50. Ah, 50-50. I'm not built for the heat. I don't like the heat very much. So in the wintertime, we have church services here actually year-round. We have a local church service that meets in town uh, from Columbus Day in October until Father's Day in June. And then we meet here until Columbus Day. And then from Christmas to Easter, we meet outside on the other side uh, of the mountain. And so what I do a lot of times in that service is I'll take my glove off when I start preaching. And then when I can't handle the cold anymore, I just say, amen, and let's go home, right? Um, now I'm just going to just deal with how much sweat. Like once I just sweat it all, I'll just say amen. But I don't, I don't deal with the heat as much. But really glad that you guys could be here. We are working through the book of Romans. We're working for the book of Romans. It's really kind of cool. I remember when I first came to Loon Mountain Ministry to take over as the chaplain, I got to thinking, wow, I have to give a sermon? Every Sunday? How in the world am I going to come up with that kind of content over and over and over and over again? But then I got into just going into God's word verse by verse. It's like, oh, good grief, this will take me forever. You know, my first thing made sense. I did the Sermon on the Mount. Right? That was a no-brainer. Like, if I'm going to start preaching from here, i got to start there. So I started in Matthew chapter 5. And that took a year and a half. All right, it's 101 verses. It took a year and a half. And then what God did was he, he birthed a local church out of this movement. So I'm like, oh, man, i got to figure out how to do local church. And there's this, uh, there's this uh, book in the Bible called First and Second Timothy. And Paul wrote it to a guy who was going to go and plant churches. So First and Second Timothy tells you it's kind of like a, an instruction manual on how to do church. And so we, we went through there. And that took us like a year to go through there. And then we were like, you know what, we're this new church and all going on. Acts is the now what? Acts is the church. So Jesus rises up. He pushes the up elevator button, right, up into heaven in Matthew chapter 28, right? And then the book of Acts 
begins to happen. The church begins to do things. So I said, let's go through the book of Acts. And that was so much fun preaching through because people were falling out of windows and getting healed and people were dying and getting healed and like people were getting lowered through a roof, you know, and getting healed. It was a lot of fun to preach through that. Then the Holy Spirit says, preach through Romans. And I was like, excuse me? I am a ski bum. I am not a theologian. I'm a ski bum. The Holy Spirit says, I don't care, I'm God, and I can use a ski bum to preach my gospel. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we began. And this is Romans. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to raise Christ from the dead. This is the gospel. The gospel means good news. And for there to be good news, I'm sorry, there has to be bad news. And I think a lot of times I like the warm and fuzzy version where there is no bad news. It's just always good news, right? That's why probably a lot of you have begun to stop watching the news. I don't know about you, but I just gave up watching the news a bunch of years ago. I turned it on the other day. It's still the same. Bad, 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 you know? And uh, the thing about good news is it has to have bad news to be good. And we in America do not like this portion of the gospel. It's a really hard thing to talk about. But Romans, Romans 1 and Romans 2 says this. God is a father who gives his children what they want. Have any of you that have been parents said to your kids, fine, fine, do what you want. But when you get hurt, don't come crying to me. Anyone has ever said that? I know my parents have, but I know I have said that. And Romans chapter 1 is pretty much God the Father saying, you know what, I will only keep you from falling off a cliff for so long. And if that's the direction you want to go, go for it. And we as Christians love to point the, picture, point the finger at Romans chapter 1 and see, 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 that's them that go to public school. And see, 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 that's them that are part of that other party that we don't vote for. And see, 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 that's them, that's them. We love Romans chapter 1. Us Christian Americans, we'd love to point the finger. But have you read chapter 2? Because chapter 2 starts off and says, Oh, oh, excuse me, you have done the same thing and are guilty of going your own way. And so the gospel is this. Isaiah says it best. He says, every one of you and me are like sheep, and we've gone astray. Does anyone know anything about sheep? Sheep are ridiculously dumb. I was on a college choir tour one time in Montana, and a, an elderly lady, single lady, had us guys at her house from our choir tour. And she wanted to show us how dumb sheep were. She goes, I want to show you something. And so she had a sheep pasture, and she would go out with her pickup truck every day to feed the sheep. Well, the sheep, as soon as the truck entered into the pasture, would come and running behind the truck because they knew that food was coming. So that truck would drive into a place where she would put the hay. She'd put the hay in the place, and then she'd leave, and they'd eat. She goes, but watch this. I want you to think she had square bales, and square bales have these little tiny slivers that come off of them on bales of hay. She goes, I want you to take one of those square little tiny bales of hay and throw it and hit a sheep right in the head with it. So this is like food, okay? So... We would be going, and you'd throw it, and you'd hit a sheep right in the head with a square of its food. Would it stop and eat it? No. It would shake off and keep tracing the truck. 
She goes, if I had enough gas to continue around this field for days, all these sheep would die because they would never stop and eat. That's how dumb sheep are. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's just a, and that's what the Bible calls you and me. Isaiah says it like this. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid the punishment for that on God, on Jesus. And he's laid the punishment for us all. And that's the gospel. And that's what Paul says. The bad news is that you and I have gone astray. You and I have turned to our own way. You don't think so? I'll give you a two-year-old. I'll give you one. I saw a t-shirt that says, owning a two-year-old is like owning a blender without a lid. (laughs) I like that one. Right? We have. We've turned to our own way and we separate ourselves. Drew said it earlier. Creation, other than humankind, does not have a choice to glorify God or glorify themselves. They can only glorify God. You and I as humans have been given a choice. We can glorify ourselves or we can glorify God. And we as Christians love to make our lives all moral and clean and neat and tidy. That don't work. You're still worshiping something other than God. I have to be very careful that I don't worship my ministry. Mom, you have to be careful that you don't worship your child. Guy, you have to be careful you don't worship your career and security. College student, you can't worship education. It costs too much these days anyway. And so Paul says this is the bad news that we have all worshipped something other than God. And in doing so, we've separated ourselves from God. But here's the good news. Paul says, while we were separated, while we were enemies of God, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. For you and for me. Christ gave his life on the cross. And that's the gospel. And that's what the book of Romans is based off of. And it took me a long time just to boil it down to that. Because if you read the book of Romans, it is like deep theological stuff that's way over my head. But it's this. You have a maker. You have a father. You have done your own thing. And in so separated yourself from him. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for your sins. So that when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you are saved. That's the gospel. That's the book of Romans. So now we're going to get to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, we call it the grace gifts. God is giving gifts to each of us at birth, actually. These are the grace gifts. The spiritual gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, right? And they're in some other parts of the Bible. But these are the grace gifts. These are given to all humanity. Teaching, telling the truth, serving, encouraging These are all grace gifts. And so then we move on down beyond that. If you look at the front of your bulletin, I had chose to have this in this this translation. So as you know, I'm sure, many of you have very different translations of Scripture. There's NIV, there's King James, there's this is the NASB, uh, there is the message, all kind of things. Why I chose this, okay... And I, and I preached about this last week because I, I called up an English teacher and learned all these really fancy words that I did. I guess I forgot when I was in high school. This right here is from the NASB, the American Standard Version. was written in 1901. And I said last week, in 1901, the New York Times read at a high school reading level. 2018, you know what the New York Times reads at? Third grade reading level. 
This right here is complex syntax, is what they call it. It has a lot of dots and these little things. I think they're called commons. No, commas, maybe. And something like a period or something about a semicolon. I'm not really sure what that means. But there's a lot of them in here. And what it means, actually, is that a period finishes a complete thought. A comma puts thoughts together that are related. And a semicolon says you need a contrast or you need to at least compare this thought and that thought. You need to put them together. So we worked our way down through these, and I want to just start at the beginning. Look at this. Let love be without hypocrisy. That love right there, there are different words for love in the Bible. There is like phileo, like the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, right? We won't mention any sports teams that come from there. Um, the city of brotherly love, that's not this version of love, okay? We have a lot of different words for love in our language, like I told you, right? You can love pizza. Last, I told you last week, you can love pizza, and you can love your mother. But if you tell your mother you love her like pizza, well, she might actually say, that's really pretty good, actually, because you know how much we love pizza. Um, this is agape love. And agape love is not owned by any of you or any of me. Agape love singly is owned by God and God alone. So we must know this before we start on, because this right here is a long list Right? These 11 verses, or 12 verses, is a long list of what the Christian life should look like. When you have confessed Jesus with your mouth, and you have believed in him in your heart, the Holy Spirit enters your life, and you begin to live differently than you once were. I'm not talking about you listen to different music, or you stop dancing, or I don't know, you spend a certain time at church. These are all things that we would wish that it was about because those are easy to check off. No, this list doesn't say anything about church attendance, actually. Yes, I'm a pastor, and I'm telling you, you don't have to be in church. All right? Good luck, though. Read this list. Paul wrote it. All right? So we work down through these things. And today I want to come to the word practicing hospitality. I have to be honest with you, when I came to this word, I was psyched. Because I am an extrovert to the core. Anyone hangs around me, you realize, whoa, he's an extrovert. And when I was a little kid, it was no different. I'd ride around town with my bike, and my mom always had to be prepared with extra food. Why? Because I'd bring two, four, five, six people home. Mom, this is my new friend. I just met his name is, what's your name again? Yeah, his name is Bill. I invited him over for dinner. So I thought this morning, I was like, ah. Oh, these people are going to get it. They're going to get hospitality from the hospitality expert. But then I looked up the meaning of the word. I'm not a hospitality expert. You know what I'm an expert of? I'm an expert of bringing people over that make me feel good. That tell me how good I am. That tell me how cool my house is. That tell me how cool my ministry is. Tell me how good my food is. And then, I also bring people over that can invite me to places, like their boat, their plane, their cabin. I Hopefully they have Red Sox tickets, their restaurant, Patriots tickets, hopefully. Right? I like to say that I don't, but I sure do and like it when someone is like that. When they come over, they go, hey, would you like to go to the Pats game with me? No, no, I wouldn't. 
Yes, I would. Where are we going? You know? You know what this word hospitality means? It actually means entertaining strangers. Well, I'm like, well, I'm still pretty good at that because I don't care who you are. Come on in. But it takes it further in Scripture. It says entertaining strangers, strangers being this, someone who does not have the economic means to pay you back and someone who has not the social means or or the status means to do anything for you. So you're telling me a mooch is what you're telling me. All right, great. So I have to invite social lepers to my house. That sounds like fun. Here's the thing, folks. This is not natural. Because all the introverts that go to my church, all the introverts that hang out with me, one, let me say I'm sorry. Because I'm always like, go meet somebody new. Come on, stop talking to each other. Go talk to somebody new. And I remember one time, it was about four years ago, someone spoke something very, what they felt, I liked it. She turned around, she goes, we're not all you, Marcus. Thank you very much. Glad you're not all like me. I'm pretty ugly and large and eat a lot. Our food budget, the church would go way up if everyone was like me. And she was right. Oh, this is awesome. Check that out. See that? Dragonfly landed on me. I love going to church outside. What other pastor today is like, oh, look at that. Dragonfly landed on me. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, that's awesome. Last week I was doing a wedding and two monarchs came right up over the couple. Two monarch butterflies went right up this alley. We all stopped. The wedding stopped and everyone went like this. It was like a collective, oh. Guys, do you know that God is in the business of awe? Why? Because awe takes you back to when? Awe takes you back to when you were a kid waiting for Christmas. That's awe. It takes you to childlike faith. And when you have awe, when you wonder, we're in the business of wonder here. Because wonder makes you ask a question. Where did that come from? Where did that dragonfly come from? Then you must say, where did I come from? Then you must say, what's the point of all of this? God is in the business of wonder. He wants you to ask questions. He does not want you to have rote in your life. That's not cool. And I have to apologize for me, and I have to apologize for my church, and I have to apologize for religion, because we make rote out of wonder. We take awe out of wonder. Because we say, walk like this, step like this, be here at this time, do this, And there goes the wonder, there goes the awe, and I'm sorry. And even though we have church outside, I can easily begin going right down that road. I have no idea what else I was preaching about. Romans chapter 12. Hospitality, oh yeah. Hospitality. The definition of hospitality. This is entertaining people who do not have the means to give you anything back. This is entertaining people that don't make the bed when they leave. Or even strip it and put it in a ball. This is entertaining people that do not put dishes away. This is entertaining people that chew with their mouth open. When you're trying to visit them and talk to them. These are entertaining people that absolutely drain. This is not natural hospitality. Oh, and I was going on about our introverts. That's how I got there. I was. Here's the thing. This hospitality is not even natural for extroverts, folks. This is a spirit-driven, spirit-empowered, spirit-fueled hospitality. This is not natural. 
Now, who loves to ski and snowboard? Who, 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 right? Could we ski and snowboard without gravity? We think it would be cool, but you can't, right? You can't ski and snowboard without gravity. You have to have gravity pull. Gravity is pulling us to the center of the earth at a ridiculous force, by the way. Do you know how much force it takes to get you outside of gravity and into space? It's tons and tons and tons of fuel. The thrust that it requires a rocket to come out of Florida, Cape Canaveral, right? Out of Florida, fighting. What's it fighting? It's fighting gravity and air resistance. Going up to break out of gravity. Do you realize that gravity pulls everything to what? The center of the earth. Sin pulls everything to the center of you. And every one of us suffer from a strong, strong pull of selfishness. Ever been around someone who's a black hole? That's real fun. Love doing that. Yeah, real fun. Oh, butterfly, yeah. Welcome to the outside church. Um, next time someone's a black hole, you know, walk into the mirror and say, me too. The natural tendency for each one of us sitting here, for me, for you, for your neighbor, for your kids, for everybody, even Mother Teresa, is to have a core that draws everything to itself. And this right here, this word hospitality is unnatural. It requires unbelievable amount of thrust. It's not natural. This is not talking about a Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter hospitality, America. That's what we call hospitality. This isn't talking about a southern hospitality where they smile when you come in and then talk really badly when you leave. I've been in the south. I know your ways. But I will let you talk bad about me if you give me fried okra and boiled, you know, and boiled peanuts, and sweet tea. You can say all the mean stuff you want about me. That's and peaches. Oh, dang, gummit, it's so good. I love southern food. My, my waist belt doesn't love southern food, though. Hospitality. This is not natural. And then the word before it says practice. Practice is this. How many like to watch downhill skiing? In the Olympics. How many like to watch downhill skiing? I do. How many know the name Michaela Schifrin? Michaela Schifrin. This word practicing actually means pursue. What is Michaela Schifrin pursuing? She's pursuing a gold medal in the Olympics. And not just one. Michaela wants all of them. She wants downhill. She wants GS. She wants slalom. She wants combined. She wants them all. What is Michaela Schifrin doing during these, these summer months? Six hours a day in the gym is what Michaela Schifrin is doing. Six hours. You know what the worst is about her sport? She is in the gym during the summer, six hours a day, for 40 seconds. Her run that she trained for all year long, I mean, hours and hours and hours. Do you know how long a, a ski run is? 40 seconds. I mean, at least the guys in the NFL have four quarters, 15 minutes apiece. At least the NBA, you know, you can, like in the NBA, if the Celtics have a bad first quarter, can we come back? You better believe we can. But if Michaela Schifrin has a bad first gate, can she come back? No. Possible. 
but it can't be a real bad first gate. Because skiing is a matter of inches. Centimeters sometimes. It's a lot of practice. That's what this word means, folks. This word means to pursue something with everything you got. And I don't want to just leave you hanging. I don't want to just say, hey, do hospitality that you're not natural at doing. Good luck. Go away from my church service. I want to give you the reason why and then the how. It comes from Leviticus 19, 33-34. says this, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were a foreigner once. I am the Lord your God. Whenever an Israelite heard, I am the Lord your God, their brain goes right to the Ten Commandments. Because that's how the Ten Commandments starts. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. What is Egypt a symbolism for you and for me? Sin, despair, bondage. And when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you open yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are released from bondage, from who you once were, from that inertia of you, the me monster, some people call it. Me, me, and I, and I, and me. Yeah, Brian Regan right there, I saw that. He's a comedian. You should Google it when you get home. He's got a really funny skit on the me monster. See, he talks about being at dinner with someone who just talks about themselves the whole time. He calls it the me monster. Yeah, you have an in-law like that? Yeah. You have a pastor like that? I saw you shake your head back there. They go to my church. Um, I am the Lord your God. Whenever that is said in the Bible, it says this. I am God, and these are all my virtues. Powerful, kind, passionate, uh, you know, justice, all of them. So here's the thing. This hospitality comes out of you when you understand who God is. You cannot muster up this hospitality. You can't will it up. You can't force this kind of hospitality. This hospitality comes from falling in love with a God who has saved you from you. And when you understand that, when you understand what you've been saved from, and the hospitality that God has given you, once you understand that, you can say, come on in. Has anyone seen the Muppets Christmas Carol? Does anyone know the ghost of Christmas present? He goes like this. Ho, ho, ho! Come in and know me better, man. And he has a giant feast in front of him. And he says, come and eat. That's hospitality. And if you're a perfectionist, thank you, one. But two, don't worry about that. A lot of you aren't hospitable for a couple reasons, and you justify it. One, you're a perfectionist, and your china has to match the table setting, and your table setting has to match the theme of the meal, and the music has to match the theme of the meal, and the day has to be perfect. You will never be hospitable if you do that. It don't work, especially if you add in kids and they break the china. 
Just put it out on the table. Paper, whatever. That's hospitality. Throw an extra lump in the pot. You know the other reason why we as America don't be hospitable? We're run by fear. We are so afraid to welcome neighbors or strangers, I should say strangers, into our house. I don't know who that person is. We lock everything here. We lock it all. I really don't know why. Because anyone that's ever wanted to rob something, they're like, oh, the door's locked. Dang it. Can't believe they locked their door, man. What? When has that ever happened? I really don't want to replace the window, so please come in and take what you want. Just put the cap back on the milk, bro. We are afraid. We're afraid we might get stolen from or hurt or... We're afraid. It's really cool. This lady wrote a book, and my mom was telling me about it this morning. She said she's, she's seen a difference in her. She came to know Jesus, and God was really speaking to her about this hospitality thing and practicing hospitality. So one just little small thing she did that maybe you could do. I can't do – I'm at the at, at dead end, so it's kind of hard to do this. But if you live – and maybe you live out in the country, it's hard for you to do this too. But if you live in an area where people walk by the front of your house, think about this. This lady did this one night a week, she said. She takes her grill – puts it in the front yard and she takes her picnic table her little her little table with a with an umbrella and puts that in the front yard and one night a week she doesn't allow her kids to play inside they can do board games at that table they can even play their tablet at that table they can kick around a soccer ball in the front yard she takes her whole family to the front yard and the deal is we must say hello to people that walk by and invite them to sit she goes at first People did this, going by, headphones, you know, oh, hi, hello, okay, you know. But then all of a sudden, one lady stopped and said, what are you guys doing? Your grill and your, your picnic tables right here in the front yard. Oh, sit down. Want something to eat? And what they do on Thursdays. Isn't that cool? Just a small thing. And I got to thinking, you know what? Has the enemy brainwashed us? Because what do we all do? We all love to go in that backyard. Maybe one night a week we can break that inertia, break that tendency to go, no, this is my time, these are my kids, I'm going to protect my time and my kids and my space. I can't, you need to go there sometimes because you need to refresh. You can't just always be up. But maybe break that inertia once a week and say, no, I'm taking my grill to the front yard. Maybe if you don't have a front yard, maybe take the grill to the park or something and just start making friends. Practicing hospitality. And you can do it when you know God and how much He loves you. How much He loves the world. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time here on the mountain. We thank you for your word, Romans. God, we understand that what you're asking us to do cannot be done by ourselves. And I think, God, that's your point. It's your point that um, you, you make it so that we can't do it on our own. We have to have the power of the Spirit. We have to surrender. God, give us the power to do that. Give us the power to say no to ourselves and to say yes to you, to make space for the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, I thank you so much for this September day and the beauty of the mountains. I pray that people, God, know that you are real and that you love them based upon what they're seeing in creation. Thank you for this time that we get to have here at uh, Loon Mountain Ministry. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Hey, after we get done singing, we'd love to get to know you guys. And a, a lot of you guys are on vacation, so you might not be here next week. You might not come back till next year. I don't know, or you might not come back ever. Um, we want to get to know you. So if you don't have lunch plans, or if you do, just throw those lunch plans away. Um, go down the gondola, come off, go around the building and up in the little deli uh, around the construction. We have lunch. We would love to feed you guys lunch and get to know who you guys are. So thanks for coming, and God bless you. Stand and sing how great thou art.